The yes-no maybe is a radical activity to expand your sex life and your sexual lexicon based on what you want, not what other people have told you you should or shouldn't want. Hello and welcome back to Dating by Design. I'm your host, Jordan, and on this week's episode, we are talking about sexual communication using the yes-no-maybe list. You can find a link to the list in the description of this episode, and it is also linked in my Instagram highlights. Before we start, just a reminder that I will answer your dating questions right here on the podcast, so if you want me to answer yours, email me at datingbydesign at gmail.com. I want to start by talking about how I discovered kink. So, in college, I was lucky enough to have a boyfriend who was really good for me in a lot of ways. Like, he taught me how to trust again after I had left an abusive relationship, and he was like the first person who had ever encouraged me to masturbate and figure out what I liked. And every time we had sex, it was almost entirely about me and my pleasure. He used restraints and blindfolds to help me get out of my head and use light impact to help me experience all kinds of new sensations. That relationship ran its course, but its effects are still felt a decade later. And I think that's just a testament to the power of a healthy, communicative BDSM and kink foundation in a relationship. So ever since then, I have been interested in BDSM and kink sort of broadly, like Obviously, from the perspective of wanting to try a lot of these things for myself, but almost like an anthropological curiosity about how and when we develop our kinks, like what new and fun kinky things are out there, how kink is positioned in mainstream culture versus certain subcultures. So my personal journey has been a little bit of stop and start. Not every relationship I've ever been in has had kink or BDSM as part of the dynamic. And I don't really feel like I hit my stride until a couple of years ago. Now I'm a member of my local sex dungeon and, you know, a large part of my platform is dedicated to understanding and talking openly about kinky sex. It's an important part of my relationships and something I know how to talk about openly and confidently and I want to share how I do that with you. I'm going to spend some time talking about how and why you should talk to your partners about their fantasies. Here's the thing. If we exile our partner's erotic mind to a place outside the relationship by enforcing certain rules about what they can and can't do or fantasize about, Outside the relationship is where our partners will go searching for the erotic. And this idea comes from sex researcher Esther Perel, who does a lot of work on sexual longevity in relationships and infidelity. So it behooves us to be proactive and open-minded when it comes to exploring sex and fantasy with our partners. Now, of course, not everybody's sexual fantasies involve BDSM and kink, but as we will learn later, this is a major part of most people's sexual fantasy land. Justin Lay Miller is the author of the book Tell Me What You Want, and he says that couples who share their fantasies with one another and create an open and safe space to communicate them have happier relationships and more orgasms overall. No real surprises there. So, sharing can be scary. 
Very few people actually want to reveal their deep, dark secrets. We might feel judged or shamed or even guilty. And sometimes what we fear most is hearing a partner's fantasy that doesn't involve us or makes us feel otherwise inadequate. You know, that's always a possibility, but consider the fact that it's healthy and normal and good for your relationship for your partner to have some fantasies that don't center on you. Having a bit of mystery is actually a pretty good predictor for long-term relationship satisfaction. So before you share your fantasies, ask yourself, how do I feel about these fantasies? If you feel shame or guilt, then you should work through that before you share it with a partner who might be resistant to trying new things with you. On the other hand, if you already have this sort of rapport with your partner and they are super open-minded, then you can absolutely approach them with your dilemma around this shame or guilt or whatever feelings you're having and ask for their reassurance and advice. Most people's worst case scenario is that you share a fantasy with a partner and they are super grossed out. I want to reassure you, they might think the act is gross, but that doesn't mean that they think you're gross. And you can keep your fantasy to yourself forever if you want, that's totally fine. But wouldn't it be so nice to share your fantasies with someone who loves you regardless or even because of that fantasy? You deserve to live your truth and have a sex life that is maximally fulfilling for you. And that probably can't happen unless you are willing to say the hard things. Fortunately, I can tell you that your fear of rejection is probably not going to come to fruition. Why? Because your fantasies are likely way more normal than you think they are. People are ashamed to share their fantasies because they think that they're unusual or weird, but Miller's research shows that most people have a lot of fantasies in common. So the odds of your partner having the same or similar fantasies as you are pretty good. Let's go through the seven most common fantasies among sexually active Americans from most to least common. Most common, number one spot, is multi-partner sex. So threesomes and orgies. Next is power, control, and rough sex, so BDSM, kink. In fact, this one is so common that only 4% of women and 7% of men had never had a fantasy about BDSM. The third most common fantasy is novelty and variety. So that's like mutual masturbation, anal, using sex toys, anything that's outside of the norm of your current sexual dynamic. The fourth most common is taboo and forbidden sex, so things like voyeurism and fetishes like feet. The fifth most common is partner sharing and non-monogamy, which is separate from multi-partner sex. The sixth one is passion and romance, and the seventh is homoeroticism and gender bending. Now, if any of these have given you the ick really bad, I want to encourage you to unpack why and maybe like gently push yourself to be a little bit more open-minded. Of course, don't do anything that is triggering for you or cause any sort of trauma response. If that's the case for any of this, you'll definitely want to consult like a trained sex therapist for that. If your partner's reaction is negative and they don't want to do something with you, you must not nag or bully them into trying it. Your partner is not your personal need-fulfilling machine. You might get curious, though, and ask, 
Like, why do you think you wouldn't be interested in anal? If they stonewall you and refuse to talk about it any further, give it some time. As we in the kink community like to say, never yuck someone else's yum. Meaning, if someone says they like something that seems gross or horrible to you, don't shame them. Rather, ignore it and move on. Or if this is your partner, get curious about it. Like, huh, what do you like about the idea of being locked in a cage? And let's be honest, you probably have some fantasies that will make other people feel uncomfortable or weirded out. So who are you to judge? And if the thing that your partner is super grossed out by is a thing that you really need or want in a sexual relationship, then it's probably worth considering finding someone else who wants to do that thing with you. If your relationship is monogamous, that may mean a breakup. And I know that may sound extreme, but let me tell you from personal experience, you are allowed to prioritize good and fulfilling sex in your relationships. There are people out there who want to do all the nasty, dirty stuff that you want to do. Or maybe it's the inverse. Maybe your partner is the nasty, dirty one and you want more vanilla sex. If neither of you are willing or able to explore the needs of the other, that simply means that you two are not sexually compatible. And that is okay. You deserve good sex, though. So let's talk about actually bringing up your sexual fantasies. Miller suggests starting with your tamer fantasies first and progressing to the more adventurous ones. This helps ease your partner into the idea, but it also helps you both build trust over time so that you can feel safer and more secure doing stuff that is higher in risk or intensity. To get buy-in from your partner, you should be clear on what role your partner will play in your fantasy. Often negative reactions occur as a result of insecurity and feelings of inadequacy, so assure your partner that the sex you're having is good and you want to enhance both of your sex lives and share fun new things with them. It might sound something like this. Hey babe, I love our sex life, and I was thinking about how we can make it a little bit more fun for both of us. I have been getting so turned on thinking about you hitting me with a riding crop. Would you be interested in trying that with me? Or let's say that you want to have multi-partner sex, and that is something that can be really triggering for people's feelings of insecurity and anxiety. You can use the same format. I love our sex life. I want to have more fun with you. I get really turned on about the idea of you watching me have sex with somebody else. Or I get really turned on by the idea of watching you have sex with somebody else. Would you be interested in trying any of that? Would you be interested in exploring any of those fantasies with me? Now, if you actually want to start having sex with other people outside of your relationship, that is not a kink or BDSM talk, that is a non-monogamy talk. And that is separate from this conversation. If you're having trouble just starting the conversation cold, try some icebreakers. Read erotica or watch a movie with a kinky sex scene and then like nudge your partner and ask what they think of it. Go to a sex shop together and explore all of the toys. Commit to leaving the store with something new to try together. Take the quiz on bdsmtest.org and compare your results. It's not comprehensive by any means and it's a bit rudimentary, but as with all of these things, it is a very good place to start. Ask them what's on their sex bucket list. What are things they've always wanted to do or things they want to make sure they try at least once before they die? Ask your partner how they want to feel rather than what they want to do. It may be an easier question for them to answer. You can also, of course, talk about the yes, no, maybe, and we will get to that in just a little bit. 
Keep in mind that this discussion is not a one-time thing. People's fantasies change often, so maybe you tried the riding crop and liked it, but now you think you might enjoy a flogger or a paddle instead. Keep the lines of communication open and ongoing. You want to create like a culture of sexual communication within your relationship. And just because you or your partner has a fantasy doesn't necessarily mean you want to act it out. Sometimes just talking about it is hot. So if your partner comes to you with a fantasy that you really don't want to do, maybe try just talking about it during sex and see if that does the trick. Like, let's say that they have always wanted to try a threesome, but you are just not into multi-partner sex. So maybe while you're fucking, you can incorporate an imaginary third person into the scene or your dirty talk. I want to say that I was not the inventor of the yes-no-maybe list. It has been around for decades, at least. But I have found most yes-no-maybe lists to not be comprehensive enough or in a format that felt accessible to me. So I'm going to go over my main sources of inspiration so you can get kind of an idea of where I'm coming from. So the first was Autostraddle, which I found in college like 10 years ago. This is a lesbian media website, and they are really great. They have a guide called You Need Help that's all about queer sex, and in it is a yes-no-maybe-like list that was my first iteration of talking about sex in this way. It has spots for drawing and whatever else. Eventually, I found that it wasn't comprehensive enough for me. Plus, I didn't like the sections that called for art or like filling in blank boxes because I'm not an artist and I don't know what I don't know, so blank spaces are not super helpful for me. Another source of inspiration was the book Screw the Roses, Send Me the Thorns by Philip Miller. This is a great BDSM 101 style book. It is a little dated and there's not a ton of space to talk about like specific sex acts in the yes, no, maybe style list that's included in the book. Plus, being a book, the format isn't super accessible. Finally, I want to mention kink educator Lena Dune and her podcast and Instagram account, Ask a Sub. I have taken her kink classes and followed her Instagram and listened to all of her podcast episodes, and I just adore her content. Her course on conscious kink heavily informed version two of the like official yes, no, maybe. Many of us are indebted to Lena's work, and I wouldn't be the sub that I am today without her. So visually, the yes-no-maybe is a spreadsheet, but don't let that scare you, it is super easy to use. Down the left side is a list of sex acts, and then each partner gets a column and indicates next to each thing, yes, they know they're into this, or that they would like to try it, maybe they would try it or would do it if their partner was into it, or no, they will not do it. People who are familiar with kink dynamics will see the parallel here between soft limits and hard limits. Soft limits are things that you don't have an active interest in doing right now, but might be open to exploring if certain criteria are met, for example. Like, maybe you want to make sure you have a really good long talk about anal before you try it for the first time, or maybe you'll only do collars if your partner really wants to do it. Or maybe you do a certain sex act with one partner but not others. Soft limits are negotiable. They are your maybes. Hard limits are exactly what they sound like. 
They're a no, not at all. I am not open to this act. I am not open it open to it with you. So you might be thinking to yourself, I'm not into BDSM or kink, so I don't think this is for me. Or maybe you're really experienced and you already know what you like. You should do the yes, no, maybe anyway. First, the yes, no, maybe is for kinky and vanilla people. If you're vanilla, and I use that term respectfully, not in a derogatory way. If you're vanilla, then maybe it will give you some ideas for new things to try. It's also just good practice for sexual communication. The list is also for anyone of any experience level. If you're just starting out, the variety of terms and scenarios could be intimidating, but remember, every kinkster starts somewhere. You might start to feel a sense of imposter syndrome if you've always considered yourself kinky, but you're like only into spanking and hair pulling. Dude, that is a-okay. You're not boring or inexperienced for liking those things. Your kink is just as valid as anyone else's, and you don't need to be into edge play to be considered kinky. If you're highly experienced, then it may just be nice to review some terms and have a hard copy of your likes and limits. I don't know about you, but I often find it hard to keep track of all of these things, so writing it down is really good for my like retention and later reference. Finally, if you are not partnered, you may feel like the yes, no, maybe isn't for you. But wait, it is. Do the worksheet on your own. Getting clear on your own personal kinks, likes, and dislikes before entering into your next relationship can be super helpful for being upfront about what you need from a partner and even vetting partners who would definitely not be sexually compatible with you. So why a spreadsheet? Well, because it takes some degree of vulnerability out of the equation. So few of us are comfortable saying exactly what we want our sex lives to look like. If you and your partner or partners are going through a checklist together, it's all right there on paper. So, you know, if you've always wanted someone to rip off your clothes, but you're embarrassed to say that to your partner, there's a box for that. You have to talk about it. It's like the list does a little bit of that work for you. I hope the benefits of the yes, no, maybe are obvious, but I do want to emphasize how truly powerful it can be. First, for most of us who grew up in a purity culture, talking about sex is really hard. None of us are taught how to do it. Most of us aren't even taught what sex is. Instead, we're told that abstinence is the only option, and if we have sex, we'll go to hell or stretch out our vaginas or get deadly diseases and die. So because of purity culture and abstinence-only education, we are left to do research on our own from porn or erotica or even mainstream media, and obviously none of that is very helpful because it puts unrealistic expectations in our heads. The yes-no maybe is a radical activity to expand your sex life and your sexual lexicon based on what you want, not what other people have told you you should or shouldn't want. Another reason I love it is that we are all a little bit or a lot of bit scared of sexual connection fading over the years in a long-term relationship. And to achieve relationship longevity, it's imperative for most of us to have a lasting sexual connection. Exploring your kinks and desires is one way to do that. The yes-no maybe can also help folks finally get what they want. Maybe there's something you've always deep down secretly wanted to try, but you've never known how to bring it up to your partners. Well, here's your ticket. The yes, no, maybe brings it all up for you. The list might also allow you to explore new sides of your sexuality that you've never even considered before. 
For example, one time, while doing the list with a partner, we started talking about honorifics. So like what to call each other during sex. I had taken to calling him daddy during sex, but I asked if that was how he would like to be addressed outside of sex. At first he said no, that daddy wasn't even something he really enjoyed until we started having sex and I started calling him that, but then as he was saying it out loud, I could tell that his mind was changing. He ultimately landed on wanting to be called daddy in and out of the bedroom. We were both suddenly really aroused by the idea, and we may have never known that if we hadn't had that specific out loud discussion about it. I will also add just like a little side note here that I have never really been all that into calling my partner's daddy. It has always felt like a little bit creepy to me, but someone once compared people calling their partners daddy to straight couples calling their partners baby, and it suddenly just clicked for me. When we call each other baby, we're not referring to actual babies, and when I call him daddy, we are not referring to actual dads. I love nuance. Another benefit of the yes-no maybe? It might help you stop faking your orgasms. Listen, you shouldn't be faking them anyway, but I know that it can be really hard once you start to stop. This list allows you to talk about acts that are already part of your sex life that maybe you've never really liked but haven't figured out how to bring up. Maybe you're afraid of hurting your partner's feelings or you're shy or whatever. Well, here's your chance. Alright, after all of that introductory material, we are ready to go through some examples directly from the yes, no, maybe list. So I recommend sitting down with your partner or partners and pulling up the list on a laptop or computer because the list is not great on a phone. And have a glass of wine ready because I don't know about you, but wine makes me feel sexy. Side note, if there is a talented graphic designer listening who wants to make this list more user-friendly and visual, please get in contact with me. So you'll go through each item in the left side column of the yes, no, maybe list, and then indicate under your heading your preference for each thing and whether you want to give or receive. Then you'll talk about it and take any notes in the notes and nuances section. So for example, in my yes, no, maybe list with my current partner, we both indicated that we might be into spitting, but we added in the notes column that we only want to spit into each other's mouths, not on faces or body parts. That's a really important distinction. So consider for each act, where, when, how, and to what degree you do or do not want these things done to you or near you, by you, for you, to your partner, etc. The list is split into several sections just for organizational purposes. I want to note here that that organizational structure is not based on hierarchy or anything like that. The first section of the yes, no, maybe list is like a partner orientation. It's labeled baselines and it goes over things like protection, birth control, any medical conditions. Like I know somebody who has a pacemaker, and so they cannot play with the person in our dungeon who likes to do electric shock. Other things in the baseline section include pronouns, where and when ejaculation is okay, aftercare needs, and safe words. So I want to go into aftercare and safe words. For me, aftercare should occur after every sexual act, not just kink. Um, and for me, that means, like, cuddling, talking, 
definitely water and maybe a snack. After a kink scene, especially after like a specific impact scene, my aftercare needs might change. That might mean like I need uh, an ice pack or um, a heating pad. I definitely will need food or some kind of sugar afterwards. Um, I like gummy bears and that kind of stuff, like small snacks. I might need like mindless TV or to just like lay in bed with my partner and scroll on our phones. Um, maybe just like have some time to turn my brain off. For safe words, I have found the best safe word method to be the stoplight system. So green means everything is great. Keep going. Yellow means like slow down. I need to readjust or like I like what you're doing, but I need less right now. Yellow is like, please check in. And red means everything stops immediately and aftercare begins. When someone calls a red, it means that they are calling their safe word and the scene should end. You know, red can mean something different to you. But I will say, generally speaking, red in a community kink context means everything stops. Section two of the Yes, No, Maybe covers general acts like anal, orgies, wrestling, cuddling, talking to others about your sex lives, and different types of penetration. Section three is all about power dynamics. Some examples include age play, orgasm denial, punishment, degradation, topping versus bottoming, and using titles. Section 4 covers restraints, from scarves and bedsheets to shibari and mummification. Section 5 is all about impact play, so what kinds of impact do you want, like spanking? What sorts of tools do you want to use, maybe paddles or whips? What positions do you want to be in? For people with disabilities, it might be really hard for them to receive impact on their knees, or to give impact from a standing position. Um, it also goes over like materials that you want to use. Some people are allergic to certain materials or uh, they don't like the feeling of um, like pokey things on their skin. It also goes over pain levels, like low, medium, high. And of course, that is very, very subjective. So make sure that you make notes in the notes and nuances section. And then pain types. So like thuddy versus stingy. The sixth segment is all about toys and implements like blindfolds, dog cages, vibrators, shoes. And the second to last section is about sensory stuff like earplugs, massage, temperature play, music. And finally, we've got a section dedicated to edge play. Like I said, what's edge play to one person may be like a regular Tuesday for another, so don't read too much into it. But in this section, you'll find the sex acts that are considered more on the extreme side, not because people who like these things are like fucked up, but because these acts often require like a specialized skill set due to the risk that they pose and a lot more negotiation and boundary talk than other sex acts. Here's where you'll find things like knife play, needles, asphyxiation, piss play, and more. So now I'm going to go through a few sections and rows to give you an example of what the conversation might sound like. Starting in the general acts section. Anal play. Yes, I am open to giving and receiving anal penetration. Then, in the notes and nuances section, I'd specify that I'm typically only comfortable using fingers and toys. So let's say my partner is only open to giving anal penetration 
but is not open to receiving. So what does that mean for us? My partner can anally penetrate me with fingers or toys, but nothing else. And I would be open to penetrating them if they asked me to, but since they are no to receiving, I won't ask, and I definitely wouldn't do it without talking to them first. If we skip down a few rows, we've got fisting. Imagine my partner is a no to receiving and a maybe to giving. I'm a yes to receiving, but note that that is only vaginal fisting, not anal, and I've never done it before, so we would have to talk a lot about it before we did it. And I'm a maybe to giving, which for me means that I'm open to the idea, but it wouldn't be something that I am naturally very drawn to. Like if my partner were really into it, I would totally be down and do it for them. Commonly, actually, when I go through the yes, no, maybe, my partner and I keep going back to the same phrases like, well, if you're turned on, then I'm turned on, or I'll try anything at least twice if you're into it. And that's really cool. Super happy that everyone is so open-minded and giving. If you keep getting hung up on those things, though, mark them as maybes and then use the notes and nuances section to really, like, draw out the boundaries and limits there. Like, under what specific circumstances would this sex act be done? Let's do one more. In the power dynamics section, there's pinning down your partner. I am a yes to giving and receiving. So I would be open to my partner pinning me down and open to pinning down my partner. Let's say my partner is a yes to giving and a maybe to receiving. So in real life, that might look like them pinning me down whenever the time is right. And if I wanted to pin them down, I would check in first, preferably before sex, but that depends on the agreement within your relationship and any of the notes and nuances that you have written down. So let's say you are in a newish relationship and you want to see if you're into the same stuff. You want to do the yes, no, maybe, but when is the best time to bring it up? If your relationship is explicitly kinky, like you met at a BDSM event or a kink dating app, then you should do it before the first time you have sex. If you met in a vanilla scenario, like Hinge or a bookstore, feel it out for a little bit. Give it a few dates. It can be a little bit daunting to like bust out this whole list on a third date. It took my current partner and I a little over a month to start going through the yes, no, maybe. And we're not even done with it yet. And that actually brings up a good point. I usually recommend taking your time going through the yes, no, maybe. Every time my partner and I do a few rows, it is serious foreplay. Don't feel pressured to complete the entire sheet in one sitting. That would be exhausting and overwhelming, and you're less likely to retain all of that information anyway. So do a few rows a week and savor the experience of slowly learning new things about your person or people. But don't just stop at filling out the list. Tell your partner how you like these things done to you. Nothing can replace in-the-moment feedback. The yes-no maybe is just a starting place. Consider for each act, what speeds do you like this done at? Fast? Slow? A buildup? What body parts would be engaged in this act and which should definitely not be engaged? What level of pressure do you like? Firm? Gentle? Rough? Whisper soft? What type of sensation do you want to feel? This can be really hard to describe, but here are some examples. Tapping. Squeezing, rubbing, blowing air, stroking, pinching, massaging, tickling, flicking, sucking, suctioning, 
clamping, grinding, poking, scratching, and stretching. So, you have now got a pretty comprehensive list of things you do and do not want to do. There are lots of other resources for learning what you might like, though. Maybe the yes, no, maybe list isn't super for you. I'm going to go through a few other resources that are easy to find with a quick Google search. The first is OMG Yes. This is a subscription service that offers like practical techniques and names for things that you maybe didn't think even had names. They have a really large library of materials and you pay like a one-time fee and you have like lifetime access, I think. You can also take the quiz over at Blueprint Breakthrough, which will give you your erotic blueprint. I don't love this resource, but again, it's a good starting place. It helped me learn, for example, that I'm a sensual type, which means I need all of my senses engaged or at least tended to before or during sex. Like if the bed is making a weird sound, it'll distract me from my orgasm. Or if there's a sink full of dirty dishes, I may want to do those before we initiate sex. There's also the erotic templates from Shan Booty. That's S-H-A-N-B-O-O-D-Y, Shan Booty. This is similar to the Blueprint Breakthrough, but offers some different results. And I think, you know, the, the test is not well made, but the results are really good. Reminder that the link to the yes, no, maybe is in the show notes. It's a Google spreadsheet, so to use it, you'll have to make a copy. So go to file, make a copy, and then save it to your drive and you're good to go. I recommend making the spreadsheet into your own template so that you can have a blank one to copy from whenever you get new partners. And again, the yes, no, maybe is not a step-by-step -step plan of the sex that you're going to have with someone. It is a place to start and have open conversations about what you and your partners want during sex and the safest way to make sure everyone is fulfilled. Get your freak on. See you next week.